time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brennan, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. 0315, Texans need linemen who can run block. I completely agree. I think that's how you elevate the run game more than like a running back. Triple zero two. is it crazy to think that some really good veterans are willing to sign uh, for the minimum to play for D'Amico and Stroud? Yeah, I think you can get veterans who've already been paid uh, to sign for less than market value to play with the Texans. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that's the key, though. Guys that have already cashed in at least once and are willing to do something that they haven't done maybe in their whole career, winning or get on a team in which for the next couple of years as they wind down their career that they have a chance to win consistently and they like what they saw between coach and quarterback, I do think it's going to be a very attractive and much more attractive destination than it's been in the past. But money matters, as we all know. And if a guy gets a chance to hit one more home run deal or cash in and get more than he was he was expecting value-wise, that's a tough decision. Most guys are going to side with the money. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRMP listener line. Why is uh, Joe George not here today? Wrong answers only. Seven four seven zero. Joe is busy setting up his living room in his bad take mansion off Worst Take Boulevard. His take on CJ and Derek Rose mentioned there. Five six zero five. Joe has gone off to Cabo to caddy for Granado. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to caddy for Granado. I've been a trip to uh, Cabo. No you ever played golf that. there? Uh, no, I've never been to Cabo, period. Oh, so wow. I haven't played golf. There. A lot of fun and really good courses. Yeah, I would love to go. Uh, six, I'd go caddy. 6539, Joe George is hanging out with Zach Wilson. That's a weird thing for Joe to be doing. <laughs> uh, 713780 ESPN. Wrong answers only. Where is Joe George? Um, before we get into the Rockets, halfway mark, uh, your grade for them. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, the court came down on him. He reached a, uh, well, I guess he reached a plea deal on assault, harassment charges, blah, 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 blah. Uh, is what do you think on the opportunity or the chances of Kevin Porter Jr. playing in the league again? What would you do if you were Adam Silver? If I'm Adam Silver, I suspend him indefinitely, and I just say no matter what the plea deal comes out and comes out of this deal, there's just and I, I like I said, there's times I know too much, but I, this kid has a past in which it's never about been about his basketball abilities because he has plenty. But he's got to get everything else right. And, and I think that what you saw, the pictures, the, 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 the police accounts, no matter what, you know, how much she, the victim changed her story after the fact, I, I just think this is one where he has to get right before you even consider letting him put on an NBA jersey again. Because what we don't know and what we do know, there's enough there to say this kid needs to change his life. He needs to get some help, and he needs to figure some stuff out. And until he does, I don't think there should be a place in the NBA for him to get into a situation yet again where he makes a ton of money and he can do whatever he wants and he has all the access in the world and suddenly there's a chance for someone to get hurt yet again. I'm not willing to take that chance unless he commits to getting some help. I'm uh I'm with you. Like I would uh, I would do that on the the silver front as well. Also, if I'm an if I'm an NBA team owner, I'm I'm not siding Kevin Porter Jr. Like I believe in second chances and things like that, but that's cool for somebody else's team. If I'm an owner for a basketball team, I I'm not I'm not doing it. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. would not play uh, for my team. Uh, our team, the Rockets, at least locally, uh, halfway point of the season plus one. They played one game more than the halfway point, and then they take on Portland tomorrow. Uh, they're off tonight. Rockets are hanging around that play-in conversation. They're currently 11th in the West, 20-12, and 12, a game back of Utah. Well, 
even in the loss column, two games back in the win column. Uh, same thing with the Lakers. What would what would you say that the Rockets uh, have told you that they are to this point of the season, and what would be your first half grade for the? I'm going to give them a, a solid, solid B, uh, B to B plus, but I'll I'll go B. Uh, I think that they have exceeded in a lot of ways anybody that could have had expectations. When you talk about the fact that they're tinkering with already ready having more wins than they had all of last season, you got the coach right. You got the best coach available in the offseason, and he came here. And when he came here, he brought an attitude with him. He brought an understanding with him, and he bought, brought a philosophy on both ends of the floor that most most players have bought into. I thought they overspent on Dylan Brooks, but they've maximized what they're getting out of Dylan Brooks. Fred Van Vliet has been fantastic, perfect for this team. And and the only reason why it's not an A is because I would have liked to have seen more of Cam Whitmore earlier. I would have liked to have seen Amen on the floor more. And obviously he was sick and then he got hurt too. But I don't want to see any more Holiday. I don't think we need to see Jay Sean Tate. Um, I think that this team could go maybe take it up a notch. But already what he's gotten out of Alpi that, that obviously Silas never put the effort in or could figure out a way to do is enough for me to say this team is on the right track now. This team has been impressive, what they've been able to do the first half of the season, and, and I have no nothing short of higher expectations going forward because of the people in place. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be plus. I think that uh, it started off a little bit better than it's been going recently. Like their defense has slipped a little bit. Uh, but they're still top ten in the NBA. They're still well coached. I still think that they're heading in the right direction. I think they're still kind of figuring out their young personnel and how to balance. Like you mentioned, Amin, uh, he certainly passed Holiday for backup point guard minutes, which is good to see. But like also implementing Cam Whitmore, like where, where is his where are his minutes going, things like that. So I would I would say it's a B plus, and that I feel really good about the way that the organization is going. I think it's trending upwards, which is fantastic. Um, some key pieces like Brooklyn's helping you out right now too with the way yeah. they're losing and you own their lottery pick like all of a sudden you thought you were done with your first round lottery picks and Brooklyn might be handing you a top five pick so you might be adding a really good talent to a very young team that has talent which could you know only help you obviously so it's you're still finding out about personnel the right meshes the right rotations the right minutes which halfway point of the year you would like to have ironed out but it's almost impossible to have ironed out when you have such a young team and then you also had a men being hurt. You had Cam in the G League. So a lot of still figuring out the team, but they're playing far better than they had been under Silas, and you have to give Ime a bunch of credit. Yeah, he do, and I think, Jeremy, between now and the trade deadline, the, the, the door should have a wide-open sign open for business, and they should be talking about moving Jay Sean Tate, moving Holiday to a team that needs a veteran backup, moving – you know, guys like even a Jeff Green, Denver has already talked about they missed the leadership and everything they got from Jeff Green. And if they're willing to give you an extra second round pick or you can stockpile some picks. We saw Charlotte do this last night or the today, this morning, in trading away a really solid veteran player like Terry Rozier to take back Kyle Lowry and pick and a first round pick. And they'll probably cut out from or move on from Kyle Lowry and try to trade him again. I think that you, you want to, from this point forward, start developing all your young talent. You want to give all the minutes that you can to Thompson, Whitmore. When, when you get, you know, your foot, when Tari Eason comes back, you got to have a, a role for him that gets more minutes and Tate doesn't, should, shouldn't be getting any. So however you can kind of trim down the competition for the rotation minutes and give your young guys as many opportunities as possible, that's what you're looking to do right now. Yeah, so they're, they're headed in the right direction. Uh, 
fun to watch, which is a, a pleasant considering they weren't all that fun to watch these last few years. Uh, a couple of things, though, like the start of the year, would you say that it's met, exceeded, or, or fallen short of your expectations? Exceeded. Yeah, I would, I would say, well, I don't know. Like I had them right there at 500 and being in the uh, the race, but I was also, I think, homering the Rockets sure. a bit. So I think that it's, I think they've exceeded the expectation of the general public. But it's kind of what I where I had them. Uh, if you are satisfied with the progress so far, which it sounds like we both are, mm-hmm. what should it mean for their trade deadline aggression? Yeah, that's that's where I'm talking about. Kind of trimming the fat. Like you got doubles on a lot of players, but a lot of the guys are like, like I said, when you look at an Eason versus a, a Jayshon Tate, Jayshon Tate should have value for a Miami, value for a playoff caliber team, even a Golden State that's looking for someone at, that that can come off of their bench and give them kind of Swiss Army knife workhorse type minutes. But don't let it take away from the minutes Tari Eason deserves and needs to get as much as possible when he when he comes back. Um, don't let you know, holiday get in the way of Amen Thompson. Don't let anything get in the way of what we want to see from Cam Whitmore. There's too many guys that you want to see. Of. Now, instead of a draft pick, if you can get a backup big for the rest of the season that might have uh, an ability to help you for another year or two, then I explore that as well, too, because I think that that's the one glaring. There's two glaring weaknesses on this team right now, and that is shooters and a backup big man. If you can add younger guys that can do the, fill those roles and not take away the minutes from the guys I want to see playing in the rotation, then that's great too. See, I think that's what's hard about a shooter, though. Because, like, if, if you bring in a shooter, he's probably going to be a guard. So, like, where are the minutes coming from? And I think there's already a surplus of guards that you like to watch. Uh, so, like, I kind of question what the rotation and the minutes distribution looks like if you were to do that. Not that I, I dislike the idea of adding a guard, because I would certainly like Quentin Grimes uh, to be added to this team. I just wonder what the rotation and the minutes look like when you do it. Uh, backup big man, to me... Like it's it's hard to say it's a must because like the Rockets aren't a championship team. So right. like, is it a must for them to add a backup big man whenever they hope to get into the play in and maybe get to round one of the playoffs? Like it's hard for me to say that's a must. But if they're looking to do something to add the team, yeah, a backup big man would be would be good. And it's not something that needs to play every game too. It like no. depends on matchups. If you need a rim protecting big or you're playing in bead that night, then you know you'd like to have that option. But it doesn't have to be somebody you're expecting but, to play twenty minutes a night. But like even a Bismack Biombo that Memphis cut out on, who was playing some decent, some substantial minutes for them in the he first part of the season, too, couldn't he? What? I think he can shoot a little bit too. Can't he's he? not bad, but he's better than Jock Londale. And yeah. so he can give you what you need to be serviceable behind Alpi, whether he gets in foul trouble or you need, like, an extra guy to clean the glass and get the break started that can, like you said, can finish a little bit. It has some athleticism, too. Look, anything's better than what they have with Jock Londale right now. And, and, and you, you love the big man at the end of the bench, but you know what? That's all he's going to be is, the, is a locker room presence. Uh, so you're not expecting anything from, from, from um, Boban. So you go and you look at and say, look, if I can get – you don't even have to trade right now, and you can get Bismack Biombo and say he's better than Jock Londale, except that you, you missed on Jock Londale, but you can improve this team between now and the end of the year and give them what they need desperately, which is an extra body up front. I just don't know how much it helps you. Like, I don't disagree. And he can't shoot, by the way. He's a terrible shooter. He's like 50% from the free throw line. Um, like, it, how, like, it helps you, like, two wins. So, like – 
like what are you willing to trade for maybe two wins? And that could be the difference between 11th seed and play-in. So maybe you'd be a second rounder or something like that. Um, so I'm curious to see how aggressive they are when they're not really there yet. I love like, the, I love your idea on Grimes, but yeah, and you're right, it is where do the minutes come from? But there has to be a way that we, that you can kind of disperse for that kind of guy because he has long term potential to be here and be a a, a piece for this team. He, he's got too much ability. I think Tibbs has tried to, tried to ruin him in a lot of ways, but he's a better shooter than most guys you have on this roster right now. There has to be a way where you could make it work with him. Seven one three seven eight zero ESP. What's your midway point grade for the Rockets and? How much are you eager to add at the deadline, which comes up February 8th? 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. So Tennessee came off the board. They hired Brian Callahan to be their head coach. I have the Slowick leaving at 40%. What do you have it at? And are we overrating how much losing Bobby Slowick would hurt? 713-780-ESPN's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Look, we're, it's late in January, but we've been starting the year off with some resolutions, cleaning some things up in our daily habits. Well, drink clean this year with Gentle Ben. It's a great way to start, huh? Great pleasure of mine to tell you about Gentle Ben for a variety of reasons. At the top of that list, I believe what I say. Gentle Ben is the best, whether it's the vodka, best in the state, the gin, best in the market, the bourbon, the double platinum winner at the prestigious Ascot Awards. Gentle Ben uses their innovative, revolutionary technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits you will ever taste. One of the impurities it eliminates are the heavy alcohols, kind of like the stuff you use to clean up a cut. Well, that's not in Gentle Ben, of course. It's smooth, it's clean, eliminates the burn. Don't labor through your drink. Enjoy it, savor it, and you can do that with Gentle Ben. Head to the Gentle Ben Tasting Room, stop at your favorite liquor store, pick up a bottle today. Ask for it the, the next time you're at your favorite bar, your favorite restaurant. Head to GentleBin.com to learn the incredible story. And now you can order Gentle Ben straight from the website. That's right. Head to GentleBin.com right now. Add the vodka to your cart. Add the gin to your cart. Add the bourbon to your cart. GentleBin.com. Order straight online. You can stop by Ben's Bar inside the Toyota Center. Get you some Gentle Ben there. Crafted in Texas by Ricky Ford, a grad. Gentle Ben, you'll love what's not in it. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. The Hall of Fame has a uh, announced, or Major League Baseball Network has announced the three Hall of Fame inductees, and they do not include Billy Wagner. Uh, Adrian Beltre, Hall of Famer, Joe Maurer, Hall of Famer, and Coors Field advantage-taking Todd Helton, Hall of Famer. Billy Wagner, not uh, in the Hall of Fame. I haven't seen the percentage of votes. You need 75%, but uh, he did not make the Hall of Fame. This was his ninth year, so he'll have one final year next year. Now, he's trended up in each of the previous years. I would imagine this year was no different. Um, so hopefully he gets in next year. But I mean, my goodness, talk about pressure, right? Tenth yeah. final year, he's gonna be he's gonna be sweating some bullets. 
uh, next year. But uh, disappointing that uh, Billy Wagner did not make the Hall of Fame. I bet you it was razor thin because they, they, you saw some of these polls that tracked like the known votes, and he was over. He, he was like seventy-seven point seven percent. So and he needs seventy-five. So yep. the no known votes, I guess, don't like Billy Wagner. That, so one sucks, final man. chance next uh, next year before it goes to like that veterans committee, which is way down the road. Like Fred McGriff made it on that veterans committee, so it's still possible if he doesn't make it next year. But you don't want to get to that point. Yeah, no, I was going to bring up that there's still there's still a chance with the veterans committee, but you'd like him. To, the numbers are, are are way better than I think a lot of the, just the casuals look at and and think of when they think Billy Wagner. But I think that if if he trend if he was trend, if he trends up yet again because the first thing I said to BMAC was what was the percentages because I really thought that he was going to be the fourth I thought he was going to get in um, no matter what you thought of Helton or some of the other guys I thought that this was the year and everybody seemed to to feel like there was a late push for him I, I hope he gets in I, I hope he doesn't have to wait for the veterans committee and I hope that at least next year uh, that the voters do it right. Yeah, if I if I was a betting man, I think he gets in next year. Uh, I think that the voters will. I mean, it's silly that the voters this year would change from next year, but it, that's the way they do it. That oh, he's trending in the right way. It adds a few votes here and there. Uh, it's silly how a guy's not just a Hall of Famer versus not a Hall of Famer. Like that's how I would do it. Is this guy a Hall of Famer? Yes or no. If he is, then I'm voting him in every single time. If I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, then I'm never voting him in. But these voters put so much emphasis on like the time that they've had on the ballot and all these weird things. They really do. Man, it's so bizarre. You know, you saw it when they wanted that when they fought about the the unanimous, you know, guys. But there's such a thing too when everybody believes. No, they're I want they need to wait a year. You know, the fact that the voters have said in the past, yeah, not first ballot, but definitely a guy that later on I'll put in. That's some BS, man. Either he is or he isn't. If the numbers say that he is, then vote him like that. And if he's not, then say that that's the case and stand to that too. But the fact that you that you have these personal vendettas, if some if he pissed you off in a post game interview or something like that, and go, yeah, you know what, he's kind of an a hole. So I'm gonna make him wait a year in my on my ballot. But he'll you know eventually he's worthy. Screw that. Either vote him in or don't. All right. So we have the percentages and get ready to be pissed off even more. Billy Wagner, according to Brian McTaggart, seventy three point eight percent. He was one point two percent shy. Yeah, I've seen a few other tweets that he was five votes short of the two hundred and eighty four total votes. That's brutal, R- ridiculous. Actually, he got two hundred and eighty four votes. So I don't know how many voters there are, but he fell five votes shy. Now that's this bad news. Good news here. The bad news is that he didn't make it this year. But the good news is that trends up to 73.8, yeah. and you have to figure that he'll add those five votes next year. Now, you, I would hate to be the guy that's sweating it. I'd hate to be Billy the Kid sweating that, but I would. I feel like it's almost a slam dunk that he'll be a Hall of Famer next year. So that's the good news on the bad news of Billy Wagner uh, not making the Hall of Fame, which stinks for him, but it uh, should be okay next year. Let's hope so. so Let's hope so, yeah. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. Where is Joe George today? Wrong answers only. 4958, the Griffey thing made me hate the baseball writers after one dude didn't vote for him because no one should be unanimous. That's the silliness. That's exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, This guy says the Baseball Hall of Fame voting system needs to be revamped. I don't disagree with that. Uh, I always point to Barry Bonds. And, like, you can throw in Roger Clemens. Like, they're they're legends in the game. And, yes, they had scandal that clouded their name. uh, But so did some of these other guys who've been in the Hall of Fame. So whatever, whatever. Uh, 0891, actually, I don't want to read that one yet. Uh, 9806, <laughs> Joe George is legally changing his name to Bjorge so he can be a killer B. That's not a bad idea. That's pretty good. I like that. I think I like that name better than George. No, or I'm Billy kidding. Joe George. 
Billy Joe, that's even better. Zero seven two four. Joe is working his other job on Bissonette. What what would that other job be? Zero seven two four. Jeremy, if you watch, what would that the, other job be yeah, on Bissonette? If you, if you watch the news at all, I don't watch the news. Inform me. I actually do, and that area that they're referring to, I believe, has some sexually explicit um, business people on it. Okay, so that's George. That's Joe's side hustle. Maybe Is that what the texture saying. I don't know. What what's going on? I think that's on the implication. Bissonette? I think that's the implication uh, being made about Joe working on Bissonette, but that's as far as I'm willing to take it on this show. Oh, okay. Uh, NFL coaching openings are down to five. The Titans hired Brian Callahan. I saw the Titans get roasted for this. Oh, you fire Vrabel and you hire Callahan. How do you know how Callahan's going to be? Like, I, I, whenever Harbaugh is hired by the Ravens, well, this guy doesn't call plays. I bet you he stinks. And how has that worked out for them? So, like, we always base the, these hirings on what a resume looks like, but a resume doesn't do the job. The man right. does the job. So before you he- before you start like throwing parades in Houston that the Titans are forever going to suck, what if Brian Callahan's the greatest leader of all time? Like you wouldn't know that, but because he doesn't call offensive plays, he's not going to be any good. But uh, anyway, Tennessee hired Brian Callahan. There's five openings left in the NFL. You have the Panthers. That's a name to look out with with Slowick. The Chargers, which I don't think will be. The Falcons, which will be interviewing Slowick, and apparently they're souring on Belichick, which, hmm. oh, okay. That's interesting. If they're souring on Belichick, where's Belichick working next year? I don't think he is. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, from everything so. that I've heard, the only team that was deeply engaged and interested in Belichick was Atlanta. So if they change their course, I just don't think Belichick's getting a job this year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. If they don't, if they don't hire him, I don't think he gets one either. Uh, the Commanders are still open, which Slowick apparently is uh, meeting with them face to face today. Which I, I wouldn't be surprised if Slowick is their second option if they miss out on Ben Johnson. Yeah, I've heard I Ben Johnson see. all over the place. Ben Johnson's the favorite for that job. But what if somebody else just – like, what if the Falcons impress Ben Johnson and they don't hire Belichick? Who do the commanders fall back on? I, I think it'd be Slowick. Seattle, I don't think that's a Slowick landing. So mm-hmm. I was 55% that Slowick was going to get a head coaching job. But now that the Titans hired Brian Callahan, I'm at 40%. Where are you at, Blankers? I'm at least 30%. I, I, okay. I, just, I just think this is going to be a cycle that, thankfully, in my opinion, it misses him. I, I don't think he takes the Carolina job even if offered because I think it's a really dead-end job right now. And I just I think that he he can weigh his options and go, look, I have a lot of good things going in Houston, and unless they make him a, and I just can't see their owner going and committing the years and the dollars it would take to get him, I I I just don't see that Carolina job being a fit for him. I think that Ben Johnson's going to be the the number one OC that's going to be sought after. Harbaugh's going to go to the Chargers. Um, you know, I really, I said all along, I thought Tennessee was the gig if he was going to get yeah. it. And, and, Who do you think the Panthers hire? Man, I, boy, I don't know. I mean, see, I think that's where I think that. See, I think those are the two best chances for Slowick that are left: Carolina, and then if the Commanders miss on Ben Johnson, I don't think the Chargers, Falcons, and Seahawks are are, are real. Although the Falcons kind of are back in play now that Belichick's not. Yeah, but you know that could be a negotiating ploy too. If he's if there's a sticking point, money or control wise. With a with with Belichick to kind of play that that card to see if it it you know changes the negotiations. To me, it just seems like all along that that was his gig to to lose. So I don't as much as that's a, a rumor out there. Yeah. I, I I really still think that that's who they're focused on. 
Um, I hope so. It'd be it'd be boring not to have Belichick next year. Yeah, but you know what? what you the NFL. If, if McCarthy doesn't win a Super Bowl in a year's time, Belichick will be with. He'll, I'm sure Jerry will be knocking on his door. Yeah, good point. Are we overrating how much losing Bobby Slowick would hurt the Texans' uh, offense? Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. I'm dipping out, calling to call a little bit of basketball. Uh, Brian McDonald, Joel Blank will carry you the rest of the way. It's Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five, ESPN ninety two five. Hey, before we go to the break, look, Jeremy's got a game to call tonight. You could watch that game in late night. What's a great snack when you're watching games? Well, it's a good dip and some chips. Or, you know, maybe you're going all out and you're going to heat up some pizza, but you want that pizza to have a little extra flavor because it's the second go-round. Well, why don't you add some ranch to it? Daisy Dips are the answer to so many pressing questions when you're like, what am I going to eat when I'm watching a big game? Daisy Dips are the answer because you don't have to make it. You don't have to go and and work on trying to get the sour cream and the soup mix and making it right like my mom used to do when we were watching sports at our house and had people over. No, all you got to do is go into the refrigerator, open up the tub of the Daisy Dips, whether you want the ranch or the French onion and grab whatever else you want to go with it and everything tastes great. No matter how good the game is, you know the goods are going to be there when it comes to eating right and getting something that tastes delicious. Your guests are going to love it too if you're, you're planning a watch party at your place for the weekend and the conference championship games or the big game coming up after that. Get the Daisy Dips, available at your local grocery store. It takes all the work out of it, but all the taste is there, and they taste delicious. They're going to make everything you serve taste better, from the chips and the veggie dips to all the pizza and all the different options that you can go to to dip your favorite foods into a dip that makes a whole lot of sense. Even your wings. If you go and you're serving wings, why not serve up some ranch and some French onion to go with your wings as well? Check them out today. Go to your local grocery store. Save the time, but make sure you get the best. Go to Daisy and get some Daisy dips. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. All right, back on the bees, and there's still bees that aim to please. It's just not all the normal ones that you expect during this time frame, but one you're familiar with. Brian McDonald and myself are going to take you from now until the top of the hour, and and we're going to discuss a lot of different topics. But as Jeremy, I think selfishly, did before he, uh, he parted ways for the day, by dropping us the topic that we now have to see through for you guys. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of the, like yeah. demanding while we, on his way out. Like, here's what you guys are going to talk about. Yeah, see, I, the, like, I, we're I, not I, grown-ups I, enough to make our own decisions? Exactly. I, I thought that was a little much, but that's fine. I'm used to that with him. Uh, so our, he, he posed the question, are we overrating how much losing Bobby Slowick would hurt the Texans' offense? Look, there's two ways to look at this. From my perspective, which I've been adamant on all along, I prefer Bobby Slowick stay for at least one more year. I, I refer to all the different quarterbacks, that whether they had a sophomore lump or in the case of a guy like Sam Darnold had multiple head coaches, multiple offensive coordinators, and it really stunted whatever growth he possibly could have had as a quarterback in the NFL. Tom Brady says that whenever you change a a playbook and or you get a new playbook to study, it can take up to eight months before you get a full grasp on it. So for me, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You've got a guy in CJ Stroud that's going to probably run away with offensive rookie of the year along with Puka, but he deserves it. He should get it. He played his tail off all season long. D'Amico has done his job. The fact that the offense and CJ were able to get as much as they got out of guys that have been NFL journeymen like Robert Woods and Singletary means to me that, look, if you keep CJ pressing on, pressing forward with the same playbook, the same terminology, and you upgrade some of the pieces that he has to work with, 
no matter how good Casario and D'Amico and everybody else has been, then you're doing it the right way for the full development of your quarterback, and that's why I want Bobby to stay. I mean, I think it's obviously the most ideal situation. I mean, the last thing we'd want to put uh, C.J. Stroud through is something that other Texans of quarterbacks have gone through. Notably, I believe David Carr at one point in his Texans tenure had like three different OCs in four years or something, or maybe it was quarterbacks coaches, but people involved with him on a day-to-day basis. So it's obviously not ideal to change those people out, the people in his ear, the people trying to get him to the next level. It's not ideal to change that situation out. But I I do think we're overrating it a little bit just because I have so much belief in everything around the offensive coordinator. The only way I would be like just super concerned that the Texans couldn't absorb this loss is if I believed that D'Amico and Casario couldn't pick the next right guy. It would be if I didn't believe Casario could draft the right pieces, sign the right free agents to put around C.J. Stroud. And it would be if I didn't believe that C.J. Stroud or the weapons around him like Nico and Tank that are here already wouldn't be capable of playing at a high level without Bobby Slowick. And I just have so much faith in those other guys that I think as long as they go out and pick someone from this tree, and there's tons of teams that run, obviously San Francisco, Green Bay, Miami, as long as you pick somebody with familiarity with the scheme and you're not completely changing everything, then I think these uh, CJ will now, be Brian, fine. You you bring up an interesting point, right? Because I'm going to ask you a Deshaun Watson-type question, but I think in this case it's legit, and that is if he leaves, do you include CJ in the process? Because we know that Deshaun wanted to be involved on the head coach. We know that Deshaun always wanted to be involved on anything that you know involved the offense. But the fact of the matter is we there were people that doubted whether Deshaun, at that point in his career, deserved to have that much uh, input. And he thought he should have more. I think in this case, it's so hyper-important that I include C.J. Stroud. Because you bring up something. Look, I'm going to go back take it back to Ohio State. CJ had more respect for Jason Day than he did his offensive coordinator because he felt like his offensive, he knew more X's and O's than his offensive coordinator. And Jason Day called the plays, and therefore he had a great relationship with his play caller. He has that kind of relationship with Bobby. The fact that if Bobby moves on, you might have a relationship with Gerard Johnson, but I don't think Gerard Johnson's ready to all of a sudden step up into the Bobby Slowick role and call plays. You're right that there are other guys you can choose from that still run the Shanahan tree, but will he have the same kind of respect for them? Will he have the same belief in him that he has in Bobby? And that's why I just think it's better to stick with him and have him stay than it is to try and find a replacement for him if you have to do that. And if you have to do it, I get it. Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll attack the, the first part of that first. Uh, I do think I would include C.J. Stroud in the meetings. I wouldn't necessarily go as far as to give him a say in it, but I would want to have him. So let's say Bobby Slowick leaves, and you're bringing in a guy from the Dolphins, a guy from the Packers, a guy from the Niners, whoever. Whenever D'Amico and Casario meet with said candidate, I would have C.J. in the room, have him talk ball, see if there's a chemistry. That way, Nick Casario and D'Amico, who I would leave the decision to and not C.J., C.J. could just at least observe to see how well they work together, see if there's a chemistry together, and at least have C.J. feel involved in the process. I would stop short of letting him make the say, but I would want to have him involved in the process so he feels included, and also so from D'Amico and Casario's point of view, I I would want to see how if they got up on the chalkboard or whiteboard, there's no chalkboards anymore. It's 2024. But if they got up on the whiteboard and started, you know, diagramming plans or plays, talking about the offense and what they 
things they'd like to do in the scheme, then see if there's some chemistry between them before I make that decision. See, and I think he does have a voice in the room. It doesn't have to be the loudest. It doesn't have to be the deciding factor. But I want him to tell me exactly how he thinks about each candidate. You're right. I have him in the room. I have them talk some ball. And then before the final decision is made or after each time you sit down with each candidate, you let that candidate go on to the airport or after dinner or whatever, they go back to the hotel. And whether it's the next day at a certain point right after the interview, you say, CJ, what'd you think? Can you work with this guy? Do you think, you know, and then maybe later you have him weigh when you get to second interviews and you start talking about, hey, weigh your top three for me. So you're keeping him involved in the process. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's going to be your head coach and your general manager. But I want him to actually tell me exactly. Because the last thing you want to do is to pick a guy that not only he didn't pick, but he felt like he didn't have chemistry with. Because now you're setting yourself up for a rockier situation and maybe a less than smooth transition. Yeah, and I I will say, obviously, I want C.J., the, the person they, they hire, I want it to be the person that has the most chemistry with CJ. I will say this because you brought up the name of Deshaun Watson. I have more faith in CJ in his professionalism than I did Deshaun Watson. Sure. So even if they don't pick necessarily the guy, I don't you know, I'm not sure what CJ would tell him if he would just tell him how he was vibing with him or he would actually tell him this is the guy I want. But I would have more faith in CJ Stroud where if they didn't go with his top choice, he would handle that in a professional way, still work with them and still move in the right direction and kind of move past not getting his first choice much more so than obviously Deshaun Watson did because Deshaun Watson packed up his bags and wanted to be traded as soon as he did get his way. Right. I don't see CJ doing that, but I do see CJ realizing this is my bread and butter. This is how we continue to progress and have the success we had from a year ago. And it's too important of a decision for him to not have some input. It's also too an important position, too important from an organizational standpoint to think about where we've come from so quickly to get to where we are now to say that the last thing we want to do is revisionist history, go back to what you did with Deshaun and piss off your quarterback so much that you're right. I don't think CJ would go completely to the depths of the I'm done here. But you don't want to tick him off, yeah, and you, you don't have that. to. Yeah, and th- I think what we've talked about is the way to avoid that. Like, I think CJ, and like, obviously most people, it would be the same if we were uh, in our workplace. You want to be included in the conversation. You want your opinion heard. But I think CJ would be able to handle it if he didn't ultimately have the say in who the next offensive coordinator is. And I'd also like to kind of just remind people listening that a lot of these conversations that we're having about maybe whoever the next guy is, whether it be Gerard Johnson or someone that's coming in from the outside about their readiness. I think we had a lot of those same conversations back in February when Bobby Sloak was hired. He'd never called plays before in San Francisco. He was, you know, what, a 35-year-old coming in with no play-calling experience. There's a lot of question marks like, is this really the guy that we want to hand the keys over to? And turned out very well so don't let that be something that scares you too much because the texans have already succeeded in that exact same situation i agree with you but that's why it's so important to stay within the system definitely yeah and and i think that you look at i brought this up the other day that if you look at frank smith in miami you look at the fact he didn't play he isn't calling plays so maybe you make him associate head coach and you give him his first chance to call plays and now you create the exact Bobby Slowick situation. A guy that's never called plays before, but he comes from the Shanahan tree. He took an extension of the Shanahan tree working with Mike McDaniels. Now he can come to Houston and he can work with another Shanahan disciple in D'Amico. D'Amico feels good with him, probably knows him from his days in San Francisco. 
and they can feel good about the fact that this guy's got a full grasp of the offense, as opposed to Gerard, who his main duties are to working just to make sure CJ's day-to-day and all the other things that he's doing. But the fact is, is I, I wouldn't trust him uh, just a year into this organization and this system to be the guy that suddenly is ready to call plays and, and take over for Bobby Slowick. Yeah, because even though Slowick hadn't called plays before, I mean, he'd grown up in this system. Mm-hmm. Going back to, what was, it, what was it, the picture they throw up on every in Washington. Yeah, when they were all was in it Washington the 2000, in 2013. 2013 yep. Washington, uh, Washington team. So Slowick, you know, he put 10 years at least into this system. So I agree with you, Gerard. And while I certainly think he could possibly get the job done, I would feel more comfortable handing it over to a guy who, even if he hasn't called plays, uh, like the name you brought up, he's at least spent a lot of time in the system. That way, when he and CJ are talking about you know what they want to do, drawing it up on the whiteboard, they're talking the same language. You know, yeah. Every offense has different terms for different plays. I'd like to put them in a situation where day one, they're not having to learn each other's languages. They already know... This you know this type of route means this in our language, and they could skip that whole part of the growing process. It's so important, and you you, you don't want anything that sets back or kind of delays the progress to year two for CJ. That's why it's been my druthers all along that you keep Bobby Slowick here. I think right now the Tennessee job was the one that I feared the most. I really think Carolina's a dumpster fire, and I think there's too many viable candidates that make sense for the reasons that they're looking for a head coach with the teams that are still looking for a head coach. Yeah, like when you run down the the, the teams that still have openings available, like if – you mentioned the Panthers being a dumpster fire. Like, if I'm Bobby Slowick, I'm not taking the Panthers' nope. job. Like, because you don't know if if the Panthers' situation turns out poorly. If Bryce Young can't turn it around, that might be the only job you get if you're Bobby Slowick if that goes poorly. So, I would scratch the Panthers' job off the table. Uh, I don't think the Chargers or the Falcons are considering you because of who else they're talking to with John Harbaugh and Bill Belichick. So, that's pretty much out. Really, the only job... Now, if I'm Bobby Slowick, that I consider would be the commander's job. You have the number two overall pick. You can get you have basically you know get the quarterback you want. Uh, you have, I believe, the most cap space or the second most cap space in the NFL, and you have new ownership where you don't have to worry about the, you know the Daniel Snyder anything anymore. So, and plus you have weapons with uh, with Terry McLaurin, uh, Terry Horn. McLaurin, and yeah. Jahan Dotson. Yeah. So, see, and and Remack, here's the other thing that I think we're that people are missing out on because they're focused on the I always say the Janet Jackson theory, but what have you done for me lately you lost your last game you didn't score an offensive touchdown people want to crap all over Bobby Slowick he interviewed during the week of the playoff game so people want to point to that and they want to hammer but the fact is when you look at the full body of work in the first season doing what he did he did it way better than I think most people expected because CJ did it better than most people expected so he has to get some credit for that so I think that they're undervaluing right now because of the last game how valuable Bobby Slowick was for CJ in this organization. That's why I want him back so bad. That's why I hope to God he doesn't get another job. Yeah, I mean, look, I get the idea of you play two games against the Ravens, you didn't score a touchdown in either game. I get why that would leave a bad taste in any fan's mouth. It left a bad taste in my mouth. But look at what the Ravens did to the 49ers. Look what the Ravens did to the Dolphins. Same offense, Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan completely shut them down. I don't take that as a Bobby Slowick, C.J. Stroud thing. The Ravens' defense this year yeah. was just at a whole nother level. Yeah, no doubt. All right, we got one break to get to before we wrap up the show. We've got the car wreck of the day coming up next. If you guys got suggestions or nominations, Alex, I know you normally do, but you're going to have to be a loss for words today because Joe George is out of the building. Therefore, you're going to have to be more creative this time around and find somebody else if you want to nominate them. But you can. 713-780-3776. Car wreck of the day coming up next. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 FM. 
all right? <laughs> my leg's broken. The bone's coming through. Let me see. Let me see. Ah! you brick. Where's my fucking money? This is the car wreck of the day, brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. Hey, back! Final segment of the show as we wrap it up as we always do with Car Wreck of the Day, except for Fridays, which I like to sit out if I can uh, with Mean Text. But bottom line is BMAC in for Jeremy and Joe, and I'm still here as we take you till the top of the hour. The Iron Man of the show. I normally try to do that. I am Cal Ripkening in most <laughs> in most ways. People have said that. Alex, I've heard that. Alex has already turned the corner a little bit, but still has a tendency to, to stick with his consistency of going at Joe. He'd like to nominate David Gao for Car Wreck of the Day and or the people involved in Gao Media that have allowed Joe the time off to take the rest of the week. So this is this a is this a complete 180 for him? Does he I mean, miss him? Yeah, like he Or usually, does he think that he's not worthy of getting this many days off in yeah, a row? Yeah, actually, that's probably the angle. Yeah, because there's two different the, angles to consider here. Because when you first said he was nominating Gal for letting Joe have all the days off, I thought, oh, he actually likes Joe. Yeah. Now he misses him, but maybe he's still I know Alex shot. well enough to know that he's not going to change his disdain for Joe. So I think Do we that, know the reason why he has so much disdain for Joe? Because he says a lot of stupid things. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, and Alex just doesn't like stupid things being said by people. <laughs> and so, therefore, he's motivated to go at Joe a lot more consistently. So, um, let's see what we got here. I mean, the next one, it's got to be the Hall of Fame for not putting yeah, Billy Wagner. Yeah, no Billy Wagner. That's a good call. The I mean, fact- Billy Wagner's sixth all-time in saves, and somehow he's had to wait nine and going to be ten seasons before he gets in. I mean, seriously. The fact of the matter is, when you think about he was five votes short, and you look at, you know, all the again. I and I think someone from Houston will probably do it, but they'll try to figure out the people that left Billy off the ballot and try to figure out why. Because I just don't see it. And, and the, you know, to Jeremy's point, the best thing is is that he came so close that that should mean he should be a slam dunk next year. But there are no guarantees in life, and it sucks that he gets that close. Yeah, I think he gets in, but it feels like there's just sometimes a blind spot for national people to. Guys who did really well in the city. We saw what happened for decades with Guy V. Lewis not getting into the Hall of Fame. Or they just seemed to ignore it for year after year. It took Rudy T. too long to get into the Hall of Fame. So I, I think there's just a blind spot here. I'm not sure what they look at. I me. Mean, five people to ever play the game of baseball have more saves than Billy Wagner. Five. That's it. And for somehow he's had to wait nine going on ten years to get into the Hall of Fame. It sucks. It sucks. It makes no I, sense. And I think that that just shows and puts light on, to bring it full circle, the fact that we talked about over and over again how brutal it is that, that the way this whole selection process goes down. And it's not just some of the smartest, wisest baseball minds in, in, in a room to discuss the candidates. It's There's a voting process in which some people, frankly, don't put enough time into it, and other people hold grudges. Yeah, and and mean, when you hold just, grudges, you're never going to get an accurate nomination. I'm just sick of the whole voting process. I mean, way before Billy Wagner, someone brought up in a previous segment, Ken Griffey. I mean, the fact that it took all the way to, what, Mariana Rivera before there was a unanimous uh, vote in yeah, for the Hall of been, Fame. In my opinion, in my does, opinion it, it should have been Griffey Jr. Yeah, and it shouldn't even Griffey, be questioned. How does Nolan Ryan? I mean, count, there's countless names we could talk about. Cal Ripken Jr. How many names could we come up with? Like, there's no debate about about if they're in the Hall of Fame or not. Jeter's a no-brainer. Mariano Rivera's a no-brainer. Griffey Jr.'s a no-brainer. You're right, Nolan Ryan, no-brainer. Pujols like, should be. We'll see what happens with Pujols. 
Yeah, but there's going to be again. You think people are going to people are going to remember the skeptical the golden balls and the yeah, I don't know the ash bats. Golden balls and ash bats sounds dirty, (laughs) but in more ways than one. I'm just saying that we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I just I hate the process. I hate. You know, you're always told trust the process. Screw the process. No, not the process in this case. Sucks. Like they did. Billy Wagner, from year one of eligibility to now, hasn't done anything more to become Hall of Fame eligible. Yet his numbers keep going up. What did he do for the people who didn't vote for him year one to the people who voted for him now? What did he do? What did he do on the field in the last eight years that suddenly earned your vote? Yeah, it's, I, it's dumb. He's it, either, either he's a Hall of Famer or he's not. Now, someone on the text message keeps texting all the kickers that missed kicks that were important. They, they won yesterday. Buffalo's kicker and Green Bay's kicker won car wreck of the day yesterday for missing wide left and wide right. I said Carlson and Bass probably should call each other and vacation together because misery loves company because they both screwed their teams. But they won yesterday, but thanks for playing. Um, anything else you got, BMAC? Yeah, uh, Tristan Thompson getting suspended for 25 games for taking growth hormone. Just a guy that can't stop staying out of the negative headlines to have this tacked on to all his other mess that we've seen over the years with the Kardashians and others. Get Tristan Thompson getting this feels like it should be feels like it should be close to a death now for his career, but you know, we'll see how it goes. He's thirty two. I know it doesn't it feel like he's way older. Yeah. But it's also like to your point, it feels way older because he can't stop messing with the Kardashians and then cheating on the Kardashians and then doing all kinds of stupid stuff off the court. And this is dumb, too. No one's ever thought of Tristan Thompson as an enforcing, strong, muscular big man no. that needs growth hormone. You've got a massive wingspan and you're seven foot tall. Just go block some shots, grab some rebounds, and collect your check. Because this is taking a whole bunch of money out of your pocket, you dumbass. Yeah, this is he's definitely someone that Longhorn fans don't claim. <laughs> We try to forget. Right. We try to forget that Tristan Thompson was once on the Forty Acres. All right. So if you have to place your vote, and uh, you only get to pick it's the one, Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's my vote. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to go with you on that. I think the Hall of Fame missed it. I think they screwed it up. I think that yeah, it's easy to say. Well, 75. percent You're five votes short. Come on, man, do better. That sucks. So uh, our car wreck of the day officially goes to the Baseball Hall of Fame for not inducting one Billy Wagner, and we just all can hope that they get it right next year. But that does it for us. That's it for Brian McDonald. I always appreciate not only him doing the hard work, but doing the job of two because he filled in for Jeremy for the final half hour. He filled up, for, filled in for Joe all day. And, of course, for my partner, Jeremy Branham, who's off to call Cougar basketball and hopefully travel safe. He'll be back tomorrow, so will I. Hopefully so will you, Hive. We appreciate you every day as we get on our way. So have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It is the Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 FM.